Good morning, everyone. Our first reading, uh, we hear about a dreaded illness that we will talk more about. Uh, this illness uh, will bring someone to God. God did not send the illness to Naaman, but through it, he comes to believe in the one true God, and he becomes grateful. His grateful is a little bit misguided because he wants to adore the prophet, and the prophet's like, no, 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 <laughs> nothing for me. It's not about me, it's about God. Um, and so we see how this illness, as terrible as it was, God uses it. The Lord will suffer for the gospel. For the gospel. If you are mean to somebody and they're mean back to you, that's on you. <laughs> but when you speak the truth, the gospel truth, and you speak about Jesus and they condemn you, then you will be persecuted in this world. Then you will suffer. Um, uh, but uh, have faith and hope always in God. Um, he raised his son from the dead. He will raise his servants also. So we have reason always to have great joy and great hope. Here we have in our gospel reading uh, again um, this dreaded disease known as leprosy. My friends, you have to remember uh, to the ancient Jewish mind, sickness and disease and disabilities were all the result of sin. Either one's own sin or the sin of one's parents. Uh, all you have to, John chapter 9, 2. The apostles asked Jesus, you cured the blind man, but uh, who sinned, him or his mother or father? And Jesus says, neither of them <laughs> did this. So he's trying to, to correct this mentality. Um, and remember, in Jesus' times, uh, um, they were signs of divine punishment for transgressions against God's laws. They get this from... Uh, the Torah in uh, the book of Numbers, the whole chapter 12. What happens there is Moses is in charge. Moses marries a Cushite woman. A Cushite woman was not part of the tribe. She was an outsider, but Moses marries her. So Aaron and Miriam gossip about it, and they go beyond the gossip of tearing Moses down. They want to push Moses out of the way. Because of that, God sends leprosy to Miriam. And by sunset of that day, uh, she is struck down with this illness. Seven days later, uh, through the intercession of Moses, Moses tells God, let's not do this. Can you not do this? And she is healed. So um, I'm getting you set up so that you understand how the Jewish mind thought about diseases and illnesses. So they thought this was divine punishment. Um, and they knew that only God could forgive sin. And that meant only God could cure the disease. And leprosy was unquestionably one of the most feared and dreaded diseases in ancient times. And uh, it was disabling, it was disfiguring, and uh, it was terminal since there was no cure or remedy. Today we know it as Hansis disease. And it is cured uh, with, uh, depending if you have insurance, $5. If you don't have insurance, then it's probably $500. You know how that works. Uh, but it's curable. But in Jesus' time, uh, they had no medicine for that. And uh, it was even further. If anyone suspected even of having leprosy, was ruthlessly uprooted from their home. And they were torn from their family and friends. And they were compelled to live on the outskirts of a town or village. Uh, yes, to protect others because it was contagious. Um, and that comes from the same book, Numbers, Old Testament, chapter 5, 1 through 2. I will always back up what I'm telling you with Scripture. And uh, they, uh, they were also required to keep their faces covered, one, because the disease was very disfiguring, 
um, and their heads covered. And as anyone came near them, they had to shout at them. And typically what was shouted was unclean, unclean, uh, or their word for leper. And this was a warning so that uh, the person wouldn't come any closer. That comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 13. My friends, so what I'm presenting to you is this very social stigma uh, and forced isolation that was arguably as painful as the disease itself. And uh, so this illness led to uh, their religious and social excommunication. And uh, uh, when we think about it, theirs was truly a living death in every human form of existence. And um, today's gospel uh, we starts with this. Today's gospel starts with ten lepers calling out to Jesus from a distance as required by law. And um, the ten lepers approach Jesus, but in a very prayerful attitude. Uh, we don't pick this up in the English, but when you understand the Greek translation, you begin to pick this up. So I'm going to uh, show you some Greek uh, words today uh, that will help you with this. Um, they address him as master, and uh, it's a title of respect and reverence. Uh, and they ask for mercy, uh, and, uh, which is in a culture linking illness to sin, uh, this is the equivalent of asking for forgiveness. Um, and the actual word that's used in the Greek translation, you will know, it's eleison. Remember that word? Eleison, have mercy. And the church echoed this plea of the lepers for generations by making it part of the introductory penitential rite in the Latin form of mass. We would say, Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy. And uh, today, uh, even in the English, Novus Ordo, uh, in our rites, we begin by asking God for forgiveness in the same way that the lepers from this reading did. Lord, have mercy. Remember, we said, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. That's where it comes from. And uh, my friends, remember, Jesus, generally speaking, required some sign of faith uh, from the people before he would, as John would say, work a sign, or as the other evangelists would say, worked a miracle. And um, the lepers manifest such faith with the respect to Jesus by calling him master, and the way they ask, have mercy, Lord. And um, they demonstrate even greater faith by rushing off uh, to show themselves to the priests. Remember, they are not healed in that moment. We are told they are healed as when Jesus says, now go to Father's laws on earth. Jesus did not come to destroy those laws. He actually obeyed them. The law was the priest would be the one who would say someone was cured. So Jesus is obeying it. He said, so go and show the priest, and they will, they will pronounce uh, that you are clean. You'll be welcomed back into society. And uh, it's at Jesus' direction, uh, which is the Mosaic law. Uh, it's Leviticus 14, 1 through 9. Um, so you see, they already had faith. They said, okay, this, the rabbi is telling us, go. We go. Uh, and on their way there, uh, and this is just the seed of faith, the mustard seed, if you will, from last week, the mustard seed of faith. Um, it is only on their way to the temple to find the priest uh, that their cure becomes evident. At that point, the nine Jews relieved of leprosy, or cleansed of it, as the scripture would call it, continue on to Jerusalem, uh, to complete the process of being fully restored to society and hopefully to give God thanks for their cure. Jesus points out that it is the Samaritan alone who 
takes stock of what has happened. And um, he concludes that Jesus must have access to divine power. Because remember, who can cure? Only God. So if Jesus did this, then he must have access to this divinity. And uh, um, so he decides to return to Jesus and uh, not to the temple in Jerusalem, which he wouldn't have gone to anyway because he's a Samaritan. He's not allowed to go there. He would go to Mount Jerusalem. And that's where the Samaritans worship God, the God of Abraham. Uh, but uh, and this is where he would have gone to give thanks to God for his cure. Um, but he doesn't. He stops and he, re he decides he's going back to this rabbi. And uh, on his way back, his faith deepens even more. And uh, based on Luke's description of his conduct, by the time he returns, he fully accepts Jesus as God. You see, that man makes a huge leap of faith. If you read the Greek and understand it, here's what you're going to find out. He, Luke says, he glorified God in a loud voice, and he fell on his face before Jesus. In the Greek, that is a sign of adoration. It is only given to God. It's not given to anyone else, not a prophet, nobody. So uh, we miss this out on the English, uh, that there's much more dramatics going on. The Samaritan comes back, and he worships Jesus as God. No longer does he think the man Jesus has access to divine power. He is, in fact, divine. There's a verb used in the Greek, uh, you'll be familiar with it, it's Eucharistan, which means thanksgiving, when it's our Eucharist. And uh, uh, it is used in Luke's gospel exclusively for God, when you give thanks to God. If I wanted to say, I'm going to thank you, he would not have used the word Eucharistan. He would have used a different word, a different verb. Uh, but whenever Luke uses this word, it means to God uh, and worship and praise of God. The cured Samaritan leper thus becomes the first to realize, this is important, the Samaritan leper becomes the first to realize that henceforth we will find God in Jesus Christ and not just in man-made temples. You understand what's happening? There's so much more going on. When we read this and we understand what the Samaritan has done, he recognizes God, and he comes to realize, I will worship the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ now. The account ends, and this is a side note here, the account ends with the only recorded instance of the Gospels of Jesus, in my words, ever complaining uh, about anything besides lack of faith. He, he often said, oh, so little faith. Oh, but here, he complains about something else. Jesus expresses disappointment and dismay over the nine who failed to return to give proper thanks. Now, this is something for you and I to stop and think about. This bothered Jesus, that they did not have gratitude for what had been done for them. And uh, uh, it's hard to imagine, however, how someone once cured of a disease as terrible as leprosy would not be overcome with gratitude and, and feel compelled to thank the one responsible for the cure. And um, 
Yet how often, my brothers and sisters, do we uh, not thank God or have a gratitude for the forgiveness of sins that he bestows upon us and for uh, forgiving our failings um, and delivering us from the power of evil and wickedness. Um, something I would argue is much worse than leprosy because it is far more destructive because it, those things have the power to destroy our soul. How often do we take time to thank God for a reasonable portion of good health? You hear I put that, a reasonable portion, because I know lots of people have aches and pains and things going on. So we should have at least gratitude for a reasonable portion of good health most of the time. And uh, uh, there are so many things that we simply take for granted. Uh, my friends, uh, uh, one wonders about the nine lepers uh, and what came out of their experience of this. Uh, since they didn't thank God, it is unlikely that they derived any spiritual benefit from the experience. Um, I bring this up because Naaman is the opposite. Uh, Naaman in his illness, in good times, uh, we tend to forget God. And um, even though we may continue to give him lip service, we really are not grateful. Uh, but then something happens, an illness, a tragic event, a death comes, and that brings us to our knees before God. It makes us look at him finally. And we come to realize our poverty, our weakness, our mortality, and our need for him. We realize how flimsy um, are the foundations on which we have built our lives and our hopes because they are not on him and him alone. And uh, um, so, my friends, sometimes um, if... Uh, the thing, this event, whatever it is, this negative thing brings us closer to God and makes us more spiritual, it will prove to be a blessing in disguise. And uh, it seems that of the ten lepers, only one of them was brought closer to God through this illness and through the recovery of it. And uh, my friends, uh, I, I get it. You know, I've suffered cancer twice. And we, uh, we don't always have control over what happens to us, but we have control over how we will respond to what happens to us. And um, for instance, the, um, when two people are in an accident, a severe accident, and uh, one chooses to live the experience in bitterness for the rest of their lives, uh, and it destroys them, they will never have happiness because of it. And while the other one lives in gratitude, um, he trusts that what happened, painful though it was, um, holds the possibility that good can come out of it. And, uh, and it's not a question of forgetting it, but of remembering it and integrating it into their life and responding to it uh, in a very positive way. The willingness to give something back is a great sign of gratitude. And uh, when we are full of gratitude, there is no room for bitterness to live uh, or resentment. All happy people are grateful. Uh, ungrateful people will never be happy. They are in a constant state of unpeace and unrest. Um, if you don't believe me, go and find one. You will see. And my friends, so um, for us, then let us strive then to be grateful people, for we have much to be grateful for. Even in the midst of when things are troubling in our world and in our life, we have much to be grateful for. Jesus Christ came, and his blood was poured out for you, and you have eternal life given to you. No matter what this world does to you, that cannot be taken away from you. So you have the ability to be grateful in all things as individuals. And here we go. 
you have reason to be grateful as an American. Yes, you should be grateful that you live in the United States of America. I don't care how crazy the politics gets. <laughs> we should be grateful for this country. And we'll deal with the politics. <laughs> I know, because people are already getting riled up. I'm like, okay, calm down, calm down. Breathe, you're going to have an aneurysm burst. Breathe. Be grateful in all things. And if that still doesn't, then you have reason to be grateful as a believer in Jesus Christ because the promise is eternal life to you.